Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community, and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about, but we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. I could never have imagined that a book could be the undoing of an organization's culture. You see, I had created an organization that was pretty diverse. We had a healthy mix of men and women and even though we were serving a majority African-American population, had a relatively decent racial and ethnic um, mix in the people in our organization. And I never really thought about, and maybe this was my issue, well, I know it's probably my issue, I never really thought about deeply probing into someone's beliefs. You know, as a hiring authority, Um, I looked for the best people who were passionate about our mission and passionate about our vision and who were aligned with what we were trying to do, what our goals were. But I would have never imagined to have probed someone's ideologies in any way. For me, and again, I've learned some lessons along the way, but for me, it was sufficient that the people that I hired, the people that we brought into our team, that they were really all about the vision and mission of what we were were looking to accomplish. Many of you are leaders in organizations where that's what's really most important, right? Am I hiring people who are aligned with our core values, our vision, our mission, and they also have the competencies and skills to execute on the job? That's what most of us are looking at. Some, if we're in organizations that have maybe a more social impact or social justice type of of mission, we may probe and ask questions a bit more. But usually, if we're an organization that has a particular type of vision, you know, if we're selling McDonald's burgers, for example, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of thought or reflection given to whether people are aligned with with, uh, you know, with, with the vision or the mission. It's not quite the same as if you have a human service or a public service type of mission or vision um, and making sure that people are aligned with that. But it brings this really interesting perspective. So here I am leading this organization. I think at that time we probably had about 40 or 50 employees. And again, as I said, a mix of men and women, age, there was some age diversity. We had veterans in the mix. We had, uh, we had, you know, literally people from several different countries, different language groups in our organization. And the training and the work that, that we did was really around, around that vision, around that mission and aligning people um, and really getting people to internalize internalize that mission and vision. As I said, our the community that we were working in and serving was majority African American, and so I'd hired this person who um, 
came, uh, had, you know, great uh, educational background, all the things we'd want to see, great experiences, was passionate about the mission and vision, uh, seemed to fit in and, you know, seemed to be part of the team, part of the part of our culture. But what I realized in the in the years thinking about this and actually even just thinking about about this with the podcast is that we sometimes mistake or mistake people's people's connection we sometimes mistake that for their absolute buy-in to to what you're doing so how did a book undo a culture undo a team so I remember this particular employee, I think had been with us maybe a year, I don't recall, uh, but this was during the time of a, a relatively contentious presidential race, uh, and this was a number of years ago, so in the early 2000s. Uh, one of the particular candidates was Sarah Palin, who was uh, on the ticket with, um, with a very well-known senator. She was running as his vice presidential uh, pick. And, you know, frankly, for me, I didn't have I didn't have a lot of respect for Sarah Palin's uh, leadership presence. I just didn't uh, that. And, you know, but I never it wasn't something I expressed at work because it wasn't relevant for that for the conversation. There was a political uh, a political party. But, you know, there was a there was a campaign going on. But it wasn't something that we talked about or that, that was, you know, that was open conversation inside of our organization. So one day I come down the stairs and I fly around the corner uh, to this particular employee's desk. And she had taken uh, Sarah Palin's book, Going Rogue, I think it was her first book. She had taken that book and had propped it at the edge of her, stood it upright at the edge of her desk so everyone can see it. And I frankly flew around the corner and I think it was like the wind got knocked out of me. I was so stunned to see the book. But I was also equally stunned at its placement because its placement screamed political statement. Its placement also then screamed a lot about this particular employee who up to that point I had no idea what her political affiliation was. I had no idea what her religious affiliation was. I had no idea of her perspectives, her, you know, did she, you know, I had no idea. And, you know, maybe, maybe some people would really know and understand. I know I've certainly worked with leaders who really have a deep sense of, of the people that work with them and, you know, their beliefs and, their political affiliations and their religious, you know, connections and all of that stuff. I, again, am pretty, pretty reserved and don't tend to get into a lot of those kinds of dialogues with my staff writ large. Like that's no, those aren't conversations that I particularly have. Again, it's a lot to do with my training. And so I fly around the corner, I see the book and I literally, I probably like took a st step back. That's how much it was so in my face. And I looked at her and she was actually in an office with other people. And the other people were kind of, you know, a little walking around a little bit more stiff. And I looked at her and I said something to the effect of, oh, 
do, do you like Sarah Palin? And I will, my true confession, because we're, we're all leaders here talking about the things that go on that we don't talk about here in the room. I was disgusted might be a bit strong, but I was really not happy about the book. I, I, again, as I said, personally, my personal perspective on Sarah Palin uh, was very low. Uh, and, but clearly my employee had put Sarah Palin on a pedestal so much so that she also wanted to make a political statement with this particular book. And so you may ask me, well, Jenny, what if you put a book of Dr. Martin Luther King on your desk? Well, yeah, great question. What if I did? <sighs> yeah, it's a really great question. What if I did? So I guess the question is, is Dr. Martin Luther King more political than a vice presidential candidate like Sarah Palin? Or is there more to the story? Like, I feel like Sarah Palin, for many communities, was divisive. For many other communities, of which my employee was part of, a very conservative, very, very conservative Christian, uh, you know, that, that was her particular, as I began to learn, that was her particular belief system, you know, for Sarah Palin was, you know, the cat's meow for others. Same with Dr. King. There's a lot of people who do not like anything about Dr. King. And there's some people that revere him all around the world. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that we all have to figure out as leaders. But I, what, what began to strike me as I had a conversation about the placement of the book was I began to feel that the employee, that she began to actually assert a political presence and a political, kind of almost a moral, political righteousness. Maybe that's the right word, righteousness. And, you know, I'm sure that there were other people in our organization who were conservative. They may have been uh, very conservative Christians or maybe very conservative Muslims or maybe very conservative uh, Jewish folk. I don't know. I didn't ask. I, that was not part of how I tended to lead, how I lead. But here we are. And so I, everything that went through my head, and I'd love for you, like what would go through your head if you flew around the corner and there was a book that was clearly a political statement? And, you know, those can happen in any form. It could be, you know, a book that says, you know, Me Too movement, you know, and you're in an all, all male environment, like a police force or a military. And so clearly someone is making a political statement by the placement of their book or, you know, bumper stickers, we can get into this. So I, my displeasure and my agitation started to kind of fester under my skin as I stood there and I was like, oh, I, did, I had no idea. And she became righteous in her responses to me. And so I was like, okay. And I said, you know, I just, it's not something that we normally would showcase here. But I thought, okay, Jenny, you know, don't be an ass. <laughs> be a little bit more open. You know, this is another perspective, someone's perspective. And so I, you know, buttoned up the conversation and I walked off and other people again were in the room. A couple of days later, the book is still there, but I think it moved to a more prominent position. And I really realized that this person 
was maybe not as aligned in our community. And I say our community, the community that we were serving, Sarah Palin didn't exactly have positive regard for the community that we were serving. And so it really began to become unnerving for me. And what I started to realize was that this book was beginning to create uh, almost an us-her because it was just this one employee. Maybe other folks came and said something to her that they really appreciated it. I don't know. But what I did notice is that people began to become uncomfortable around her. And it just became like, here was this team member that was part of the team, but by virtue of this, this book being placed where it was placed, it began to really actually go against an invisible part of our culture, an invisible part of how we, how we were connected to each other. The candidate, Sarah Palin, was not a friend to the African-American community. And it began to reveal that this employee, who also happened to be a Caucasian woman, was potentially also maybe not as much of a believer in our community. I don't know. I'm speculating now. But the book stayed up for about three or four days, and the tension in our building became increasingly more, pal- more tangible. And it got to the point where we had to have a conversation and ask her to remove the book, that it was not appropriate, and that it was starting to create an environment that was becoming more isolating for her and for others. People started to not want to be around her or interact with her because because of kind of this righteousness that she was making this stand with the book. And then she would start to talk more about Sarah Palin and Senator John McCain, who was running for president as well. And so this all brings me to this question. What is a leader's role when it comes to social issues at work, social and political issues at work? So a couple of things that I learned from this is, one, it depends on your environment, right? During COVID, or well, we're still in COVID, but during the pandemic, we had the murder of George Floyd, which um, opened and really unlocked the social movement called Black Lives Matter, which then had a backlash of All Lives Matter, and then we had another backlash of Blue Lives Matter. So around the world, though, Black Lives Matter became this this serious momentum. And because we were in the pandemic and a lot of people were really forced to watch the nine minutes and 28 seconds of George Floyd's last breath on earth, people, all kinds of people were emotionally stirred up around his murder. And I remember talking to a number of CEOs in the tech sector about how they were navigating this social issue called Black Lives Matter coupled with the pandemic and all of the havoc that it was wreaking. How were they managing that inside of organizations? And what was fascinating is that some organizations, even though they were multi-billion dollar organizations in a couple of instances, their leadership was much younger. And so in those cases, they were much more open and willing to engage in 
workplace conversations with parameters, right? You have to speak respectful. You can't, you know, start to target people and be personal, personally target people uh, and some other parameters. But there were parameters for having these conversations because at the end of the day, all of our employees come to work with whatever is going on in the world on their minds. Imagine being a Ukrainian person in the U.S. or in Canada and watching your country literally being demolished. Like, we can't imagine, we can't expect that employee to come to work and not to talk about the anger, the frustration, the rage, the pain, the, the horror, right? And so it, it presented for me with the book that really started to undo our culture. It presented for me the question, what is, what is my role uh, when it comes to social issues at work? Now, I will say to you that I did a terrible job in this particular instance, because once we had the book put away, tucked back away, I kind of went on to, you know, ignore the damage or the discomfort that had been created um, as a result of her righteous, righteous placement of this particular book. The other thing was, is I ignored uh, my own feelings, which I hate to, well, I don't hate to say this. It is, it is what it is. This is the room, right? Where we talk about the things that we don't talk about, but we need to. I had such a negative feeling about the righteous and kind of moralizing that came from the placement of the book and then started to happen in conversation that I really withdrew from this particular employee. And, you know, that's, that's not a very adult thing to do, but I didn't have any other way to figure out how to address it because it hadn't ever been something that I had been taught, trained, or shown how to address. It hadn't even, frankly, been anything that I'd even seen other leaders address. When I served in the Marine Corps uh, back in the uh, mid-80s and very early 90s, our version of, of race and ethnicity was we called Marines light green Marines, which meant you were white, and dark green Marines, which, means, which meant you were black. I don't know what we ever called people of Asian descent or Latinos, like we didn't have any, any light or any other sort of shades, but that's how I was trained. You were light green Marines or dark green Marines. Um, And so that was the Marine Corps version of, of race, race and uh, race relations and being able to create a cohesive environment. So I didn't have the skills to do anything with this. And maybe you're the same. And, you know, at the end of the day, We've had another political disruption in the Trump administration. And again, it's been very, very polarizing. There are people on the left or on the right, and those folks are coming to work. And actually, that's the same thing that was happening. We had the pandemic, we had Black Lives Matter, and we had political upheaval on a grand scale. And so how do we handle social issues as leaders? I think one is to really check your own values. Check, check your own self. Would, you know, is your environment a place where people feel safe to have certain kinds of conversations about the things that are affecting them? 
Or are you really buttoned up and there is no place for that at work? You know, and then if that's the case, does that get the best from your employees? Or does it really shut down your employees' ability to bring their best selves to work? It's really, I think, for leaders and leadership teams to really work through and figure out. Because at the end of the day, employees now, team members, are asking, especially if they're younger, they are asking leaders to create environments that the full human being can show up to work, right? I didn't ever have that as I was younger in my, in my, in my, both in my leadership, but also as an employee. It was come to work, buttoned up, it didn't matter who you were, what you were about, and get the job done. So I ask you, what is a leader's role when it comes to social issues at work? And how would you have handled a book like Sarah Palin, who you did not believe in, you did not buy into? What would you do if an employee placed her book prominently where everyone could see it as a righteous political statement? Or it could have been a righteous social statement. What would you do? How would you have handled it? Would you have left the book up there and created a conversation? Would you have told her to put the book away and created a conversation? What would you have done? I'm curious to hear. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room, a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com, and continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening, and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.